Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Small Group Leaders Podcast for week five of the series, Made for More. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I'm excited about this week's study guide, which focuses on Peter and Nehemiah. Before we look at this week's study guide, I wanted to point out that there is a lot of scripture reading this week. As I have mentioned in the past, the study guide is emailed each week to every member of every group so that they can spend some time reading through the guide, reading the associated scriptures, and thinking about their answers to the questions. I highly recommend that you encourage your group to spend time doing that. As always, if anyone is unable to print their own copy of the guide, I will have hard copies available at the special events desk on Sunday. So let's dive into the study guide. In this week's sermon, Pastor Chris will be focusing on Peter. The sermon study guide starts off with the reflecting on this week's sermon section and asks us to answer the questions tied to this week's sermon. Looking back on this week's sermon, what did Pastor Chris say that stood out to you as particularly helpful, difficult, insightful, or challenging? And what was said that you feel prompted to apply in your own life, and how will you apply it? Spend some time allowing the group to share their thoughts on the sermon. If the Holy Spirit leads you to stay on these questions, by all means, follow his prompt. Peter is such a great example of someone who was made for more, and there is so much we can learn by looking at his life. In the Digging for More section of page one of the guide, we start off with a scripture reading. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Have someone in your group read through this passage. This is the first time that Peter, known then as Simon, shows up in the gospel account, and it sets up the rest of the story, the rest of Peter's story. In this account in Luke, we see that Peter has just come ashore following a long night of unsuccessful fishing. Jesus tells Peter to take the boats back out and cast the nets once again. Now, Peter is an experienced fisherman. He came up empty after hours of fishing and was doubtful that anything was going to happen if he went out on the water again, but he did as Jesus said. Soon the nets were so full of fish that the boats were in danger of sinking. In that moment, Peter began to see that there was something special about Jesus. In fear and awe, he fell to his knees and begged Jesus to leave him as he was a sinful man. But Jesus knew that Peter was made for more. And so he said to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Jesus looked at Peter and saw more than a fisherman. He saw a rock. He saw someone who, as a leader in the early church, would one day be instrumental in leading others to salvation. But before God could do more through Peter, he had to do more in him. As you read through the gospel accounts, there are so many instances that point to exactly that. In the study guide, we will focus on three of them. The first bullet point focuses on Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 31. Have someone read that passage. This is the account of Jesus walking on the water, 
and Peter asking Jesus to command him to get out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus. When Jesus does exactly that, Peter doesn't hesitate. In faith, he steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the surface of the water. Peter believed that if Jesus told him to walk on the water, then he could do it. But soon, Peter begins to sink and cries out to Jesus to save him. The first two questions here are, what caused Peter to sink? And what lesson did Peter learn from this? And what can we learn from it? Peter took his eyes off the Lord and instead began to look at the storm. His focus was not on Jesus, but on the circumstances around him. And as a result, the faith that had led him to step out of the boat wavered. In Matthew 14, 31, Jesus asked Peter, Why did you doubt? The Greek word translated doubt here, distazo, carries the meaning of standing uncertainly at two ways. Peter started out with great faith, boldly stepping out of the boat and onto the water. But his faith wavered because he saw two ways, the storm and Jesus, instead of one, Jesus alone. This was a tough lesson for Peter, but it helped him to grow in his knowledge of himself and of the Lord. Peter learned that if Jesus says, come, then that word is going to accomplish its intended purpose. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Whatever Jesus starts, he completes. We may fail along the way, but in the end, God will succeed. When you look at Matthew 14.31, you see that after Peter cries out for Jesus to save him, Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs Peter. Then in verse 32, it says that Jesus and Peter got back in the boat and the wind stopped. How did they get back in the boat? Jesus and Peter walked on the water together to the boat. The lesson we can learn here is that the storms of life are not easy, but they are necessary. They teach us to trust Jesus alone and to obey his word despite the circumstances we see in front of us. The third question on this bullet point is, how can this help us as we look to be the more that God has made us for? What I take from this story is that becoming the more that God made me for requires a faith that does not waver, no matter what is going on around me. And to have that kind of faith requires me to keep my eyes and my heart focused on Jesus. In the second bullet point, the scripture passages to be read are John chapter 18 verses 15 to 18 and 25 to 27, and then John chapter 21 verses 15 to 17. As Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin, Peter was in the courtyard of the high priest when he was confronted by three people who were sure that Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And just as Jesus said he would, Peter denied even knowing Jesus all three times. It was a moment of great failure and great sorrow for Peter. 
But after Jesus had risen, Peter was restored in his relationship with Jesus. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Then, after Peter professed his love for Jesus three times, Jesus said, Follow me. Jesus was saying that despite Peter's shortcomings, despite his failures, Peter was made for more. He was made to follow in the footsteps of Jesus himself. Each one of us, like Peter, has been made for more, and God will give us all that we need to accomplish the more he has made us for. If we fall short or if we fail, God is ready to pick us up and restore us. Why? Because he wants us to be the more that he has made us to be. The questions here are, how does Peter's story inspire you? And how have you seen God pick you up and restore you so that you can be the more he made you to be? Personally, I find Peter's story very inspiring because it reminds me of the fact that God uses imperfect people. He knows that we have shortcomings and that we will stumble and fall on occasion. But despite that, he wants us to become the more that he created us for, the more for which we were made. When I look at my own life, I see many times when I have stumbled and many times when I have fallen far short of the more that God made me for. I have failed more times than I care to admit. But God has always restored me. He has always shown me that he wants more for me, that he made me for more. It is because of God's willingness to use me despite my shortcomings, because of his desire to see me be all that he made me for, that I am even now in the position of coordinating small groups and speaking to you through this podcast. God has shown me that he made me for more and that he will be there to help me to achieve it. For the final bullet point on page one of this week's guide, the scripture passages to be read are all from Acts chapter 2. The verses are 1 to 4, 14 to 15, and 36 to 41. As I was preparing this week's guide and Pastor Chris was preparing this week's sermon, Pastor Chris mentioned that he had been looking at the contrast between Peter denying Jesus and then later standing boldly to proclaim him. While I was working on the guide, I prayed for direction and felt a burning in my heart to point to that contrast and frame the last questions around it. I felt that the Holy Spirit was prompting me to make this an opportunity for those who have not yet experienced it to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we look at Peter in the book of Acts, we see that on the day of Pentecost, that same person who had denied Jesus in John 18 now boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus to a crowd gathered in Jerusalem. Peter went from denying he even knew Jesus to proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah, that it was through Jesus that we can all receive salvation. The result of this radical change was that 3,000 souls were saved that day. And the reason for this radical change is seen in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. Peter received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, 
And Peter stepped into the more that God had made him for because the Holy Spirit gave him the boldness to preach the gospel without fear, without hesitation. As we look to be the more that God has made us to be, we need that same Holy Spirit power that Peter and the other disciples received on the day of Pentecost. So as a group, share how you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit as you have looked to become the more that God made you to be. As I prayed for direction here, I felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me that this should be an opportunity for anyone who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be given the opportunity to experience it. So take some time in your group to pray with anyone who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have that experience. I would love to hear about your group's experience with this. Well, that brings us to the end of the sermon study for this week. Now let's focus our attention on the second page of the guide, exploring more through Nehemiah. The study guide for Nehemiah is slightly different from the page two studies of prior weeks in that it includes something for those in your group to focus on in the week following your group meeting, a personal inventory. More about that in a bit. The first bullet point in exploring more through Nehemiah is based on Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. Begin by having someone in your group read that passage of scripture. In this passage, we, we read that Nehemiah was living in Susa when he inquired about Jerusalem and the Jews living there. What he learned distressed him. Jerusalem was in ruins and the remnant of Jews living there was struggling to survive. So Nehemiah prayed and God gave him a vision and a burden to go to Jerusalem and help his people. Although a Jew himself, Nehemiah was serving as the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, a position of privilege and responsibility. As he prayed, Nehemiah asked that God give him a favorable response from the king to his request to go to Jerusalem to help his people. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, we see that this prayer was answered. Nehemiah was in the right place at the right time. When God calls people to accomplish the more that he made, him, made them for, like he did with Nehemiah, God prepares them and places them in the right place at the right time. The first question here asks us to think about some other examples in Scripture where God placed someone in the right place at the right time. In week three, we had the opportunity to look at one example of this in the study on Esther. Like Nehemiah, God had placed Esther in Susa, where she became queen for such a time as this. Because of her position as queen and because of the way that she was valued by King Xerxes, Esther was able to save the Jews from destruction. Another example is Joseph who God placed in Egypt so that he would be in a position of authority and able to save his father Jacob and the rest of his family from death as a result of famine. And then there's Daniel, who God placed in Babylon, where he found favor with Nebuchadnezzar 
and was used by God to transform the minds of powerful rulers and bring glory to God in a pagan land. The next question asks us to think about how we have seen this to be true in our own lives. How have, have we seen that we were placed by God in the right place at the right time? And what did that look like? When I think about this in my own life, I, I think about how God brought my wife Linda and I to New Jersey so that we could put our daughter in Timothy Christian School. That led us to Evangel Church where soon after we started attending, we became leaders in a ministry called Married for Life. We were able to use our own experiences in our marriage and our, our struggles and our successes to help the marriages of other couples. The second bullet point here asks us to read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. After learning of the plight of the Jews in Jerusalem, the first thing that Nehemiah did was weep. Weeping is often looked at by the world as a sign of weakness. But for Nehemiah, it was a sign of strength, just as it was for Jesus when he wept in Luke 19.41, which says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Jesus felt a burden for Jerusalem and its people and was willing to share the burden of others. The same was true for Nehemiah, and it can be true for us as well. When God puts a burden on our hearts, one that brings us to tears, he may be pointing us to the more we were made for. He may be calling us to share the burden of others. When we embrace that burden and the more that we were made for, we allow ourselves to receive the blessing that God has for us. The questions here or has God placed a burden for a person or group of people on your heart? If so, share that with the group. How have you embraced that burden? In November 2017, at our business meeting, it became painfully obvious that we have a generation gap at Evangel. I had heard about some of the issues that were going to be raised that day, and God placed a burden in my heart to do something about it. I had prepared a statement that I was planning to make at the meeting, suggesting a way in which to deal with the differences between generations. But while sitting at that meeting, I heard God say, not now. So I stayed quiet. But the burden on my heart was still there. Almost a year later, as the leader of Legacy, the senior ministry at Evangel, I felt led to coordinate an event called Bridging the Gap. The event brought the generations together to share a meal and to talk. The result was that a great deal of healing took place and the generation gap began to be closed. The third bullet point asks us to read Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. When you look at the story of Nehemiah, it's clear that he was a man of faith. He depended on God to help him accomplish the more that God had made him for. In verse 4, we had read that Nehemiah wept over what was happening to his people in Jerusalem. He knew that something needed to be done. 
and that he was to be a part of that something. But before sitting down and drawing up a plan of action, Nehemiah got on his knees. He fasted and prayed, and God showed him what he needed to do. The first part of the questions here asks us to share some other examples in Scripture where prayer led to God's plan of action. The example that immediately comes to my mind is that of Jehoshaphat. In the study on Jehoshaphat a couple of weeks ago, we saw that when he heard that the enemies of Judah had banded together to attack Judah, the first thing that Jehoshaphat did was to get on his knees. He fasted and prayed. And the result was that God gave Judah the victory over its enemies. In your group, share other examples of this and then ask these questions. Have you ever tried to plan the more you think you are made for and then asked God to bless it, rather than following the example of Nehemiah? If so, what were the results? Why do you think that prayer is so important to accomplishing God's will the more that you are made for? I mentioned bridging the gap in the last set of questions, and I'm brought back to that here. In November of 2017, I came up with a plan. I, I came up with a plan, a suggestion I intended to make at the business meeting to help overcome the differences between generations. I made my plan and I asked God to bless it. While I didn't go through with my plan because God put up a stop sign and said, not now, I'm quite sure that had I gone ahead with my plan, it would have failed because the timing was not right. It was my timing and not God's. Prayer is so important to accomplishing God's will. When we pray for God's guidance and blessing before looking to accomplish His will, we are essentially aligning our hearts with His, allowing Him to work in and through us, allowing ourselves to be led by His heart and His voice. Prayer aligns us with God, and when we are aligned with God, we can be sure that His will, which is good and perfect, will be accomplished. For the fourth bullet point, Nehemiah 3 is referenced, but it is not one of the scripture passages we are asked to read. I recommend reading through that as you prepare for your group's meeting this week. The passages we are asked to read jump around a bit. <clears throat> Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 23, chapter 6, verses 15 to 16, chapter 8, verses 2 to 3, and verse 6. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, and chapter 12, verses 27 to 43. Now, Nehemiah 3 gives an outline of all the work being done to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But as that work was being done, opposition came from the enemies of the people of Jerusalem. We see that in chapter 4, verses 1 to 23. Despite this, the wall was rebuilt. And we see that in chapter 6, verses 15 to 16. Nehemiah accomplished the vision God had given him. But God had more for Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem. Ezra read the book of the Lord to the people. And that's in chapter 8, verses 2 to 3 and verse 6. 
And revival broke out in Jerusalem. And we read that in chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, and then again in 12, 27 to 43. As we step into the more that God has made us for, we may face opposition from the enemy. As a group, share about how you have experienced this in your lives. What did that opposition look like and how did you deal with it? After spending some time sharing on this, think about the fact that Nehemiah inspired the Jews to rebuild the wall, but God had even more for them as they returned to following his ways. Then, as a group, pray that every member of your group will experience the more that God made them for, and pray that lives will be changed as a result. The final bullet point in the Nehemiah study is a personal inventory. As we look to be the more that God has called each of us to be, we need to ask ourselves if we are the kind of leaders and or followers that God wants us to be. The story of Nehemiah provides us with great examples of what a leader and a follower should be. In this personal inventory, we are being challenged over the next week to read the book of Nehemiah and then ask ourselves the following questions. If I am leading in ministry, do I, like Nehemiah, have a burden in my heart for the work God has called me to do? Am I willing to take risks and make sacrifices to see his will accomplished? Do I enlist the help of others or try to do everything myself? Do I motivate people on the basis of the spiritual, what God is doing, or simply on the basis of the personal? If I'm serving in ministry, do I, like the remnant in Jerusalem, listen to what my leaders say as they share their burdens? Do I cling to the past or desire to see God do something new? Do I put my hands and neck to the work and work with enthusiasm? Have I found the, God, the job God wants me to complete the more that he has made me for? I encourage each of you to go through this inventory in the week following your group's meeting and to encourage the members of your groups to do so as, as well. Encourage them to share their thoughts with each other during the week by phone or email. Well, that's it for week five. As we get closer to the end of this series, I encourage you to keep your groups together. It takes time for relationships to grow and to, for community to form. Our next small group study will begin in May, so there will be a break in between. If possible, get together as a group during that break. Do something fun together or get together to share a meal and a time of fellowship. Encourage those in your group to stay with the group for the next study. Please begin to let me know if you'll be leading again for the series beginning in May, and if possible, who in your group plans to continue as members of the group. This will help me as I begin to plan for that next study. So let me pray. Father God, I pray that in our groups this week, you will be glorified. I pray that as we look at the lives of Peter and Nehemiah, you will lead us to the lessons that you want us to learn from them. I pray that relationships will continue to grow in each of these groups as true biblical community is built. 
Father, I ask for your blessings on every one of these groups and especially on each of these group leaders. Bless them as they prepare for their next meeting. Bless them in all that they do this week and bless their families. I ask all of this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Have a great time in groups this week. God bless.